Hello and welcome to the We Love Betting podcast in association with Gambler. Hi guys, hope you're well. Marco O'Hare here from We Love Betting to help steer the ship towards some weekend value uh, from the Premier League and beyond as usual. With me to discuss the odds, the lines, the markets and everything else is the Prolific Tom Love, I'm calling you prolific again, Tom, uh, because you had a 13 to 2 long shot for us uh, on the last podcast before the international break. Uh, how are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it, it was nice to get that. It's always good to get a big price when it kind of sets you up then for the weekend, um, if anything does go wrong. So, yeah, um, happy with that. That seems like a long time ago, does that? Um, I think it was 15 to 2 as well, Mark. It might have been <laughs> So, I'll get an extra point out of you there. Um, I stand corrected. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, absolutely buzzing that proper football's back. I, I'm, I'm usually quite invested in international football as it can offer up some different uh, atmospheres and stuff like that. But again, without crowds and stuff, it, it's a lot of it's very unknown and it seems to drag on forever. So just like everyone else will be saying, I'm, I'm delighted that we've got a. Uh, European leagues, Premier League and EFL back, uh, so plenty to get stuck into this weekend. And that's coming from a man who saw his beloved Bantams live on television last Monday, so oh. things must be bad. Um, Will, uh, Will Dyer, he's back uh, by popular demand. We've had a lot of kind and, and generous messages towards you, Will. Uh, how's things going? Yeah, good thanks, mate. I'm feeling uh, nicely betting rested from the international break. Um, yeah, looking forward to another podcast. Good stuff. So we have had that breather during the international break. Uh, very much enjoyed the ongoing EFL myself, uh, but we're back to a full slate from Europe and uh, more importantly here, the Premier League, before a busy, very busy period with the Champions League uh, for I think the next three weeks from next midweek. So, uh, But before then, um, Tom, we were asked by Sausage Betting, great name. Um, it's a bit of a layered question, this, some of which I think we've covered before on the podcast, but it's kind of surrounding high goal lines. Uh, as well as kind of unusual results, which we saw on the last weekend. Is that something we're going to have to expect to see this season because of the, the packed schedule, no winter breaks, and such an odd sort of pre-season uh, behind closed doors, all the kind of factors that you've got to, I guess, bear in mind when punting at the moment? Um, perhaps, yeah. Um, but I do think that teams are used to playing a lot, a lot of games. I think we kind of uh, look into that a bit too much sometimes. If they weren't playing, they'd be training and they, they train at very high intensity, especially in the top league. So, um, yeah, it's not something that uh, I, I put too much on. I just think the, the start of the season has been great to watch and... Uh, Brilliant entertainment, but if you will kind of look at the XG and stuff like that, it, it's way above that. We'd expect that to regress, um, especially kind of after an international week. A lot of players have played three games in um, over this course of the international break, and they'll have only been training today, I guess, on Thursday, a bit of a light training, or maybe not even that. Um, and they're kind of straight back into it. So um, it might be a weekend where you could kind of get against the high goal lines this week. That's kind of where I'm heading for a lot of my um, bets, uh, trying to kind of go against the grain. Uh, it does pay to do that time time and again. And, it, yeah, at some point, uh, 
the guard, the guards are gonna um, go down, and people will be very disappointed. But uh, don't tell you, um, it's it's gonna come at some point anyway, Mark. So mm. yeah, um, looking to get against goals when the lines are so high because that's what we're betting on. We're betting on the lines. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Will, just on the sort of behind closed doors theme at the minute, we've got a couple of cracking derbies to look at this weekend. Uh, some we're not even going to cover, actually, the Milan derby, for example. There's a big derby in northern France between Lille and Lens, which is always quite spicy as well. Um, but as a punter, you like to look at penalties, red cards. Have you noticed any sort of downturn in cards without supporters? Is there anything to be learned there from sort of referee behaviour? Uh, yeah, I think... Again, key to focus on the referees for those those derbies. I haven't looked into those particular matches yet. But the key, uh, I mean, in, in general, most leagues are pretty similar to their long-term averages. A couple of leagues that are slightly up or slightly down, but it's nothing in terms of cards per game. It's nothing uh, really to change your, change your betting behaviour on. Um, I, I guess I think there's been a lot spoken about it. There's some parts of, of the game where you could say, oh, that might have a, a negative impact, like no spectators will mean players might be slightly less riled up for it or going in for challenges after the fans are getting on their back. But then on the same, on the other side of the coin, you've got um, the fact that referees can hear things more. In that England-Belgium uh, game at the weekend, you heard Henderson went down in the box there and they were analysing that at halftime, I think, going talking about just how clear it was the cry for a penalty there to the referee and you could clearly hear it over the whole audio for that game so I think things change I think those those things have an impact and you got some things that might reduce cards and some things that might increase them so overall stick to what you did before really. Okay interesting um, right let's get into the games then because there's a, a couple of crackers we're going to cover uh, we'll begin in the Premier League and then cover the big match in Europe uh, and then get the guys' best bets and everything else. Uh, so we're starting in the Premier League Saturday, the early kickoff actually. Everton, table topping Everton, taking on Merseyside rivals. Liverpool at Goodison. Everton three to one shots. Liverpool drifting slightly to nine to ten. They were four to six with this fixture just back in June actually. So quite a shift there. Uh, for me, kind of goes back to what you were saying there at the beginning, Tom. Uh, I personally think the goal line has been set a little bit too high for this, um, whether that's an overreaction to the first few weeks of the season, whether they've discounted the derby element and, and the previous matches between the two teams, I'm not sure. But uh, an early start straight after the international break, to me, isn't conducive to a high-scoring game. So yeah, I kind of have a slight lean towards Everton on the Asian handicap, but I think the 2-1 to one on no for a goal in both halves uh, appeals. And uh, also, I think you can get around 11-10 to 10 on under three and a quarter goals on the Asian goal line. Uh, that gets you a half-stakes win if exactly three goals are scored and a full-stakes win if two goals or fewer are scored. Um, that, to me, really appeals. Uh, four or more goals is the only way you'll lose your stake there. So um, I know people don't like punting the unders. I think that's fair. But uh, the line for me there is too big. Four of the last six at Goodison head-to-head have been nil-nil, uh, including that game in June when Liverpool were still trying to wrap up the title as well. So... Uh, and I can't really remember the last ding-dong goal-heavy battle between them either. So that's where I'd be heading towards. Uh, Tom, what's your angle and why? Yeah, I'm kind of singing from a pretty similar hymn sheet to you, Matt, to be honest. I just think that um, I wanted a bit bigger on Everton. I was being probably a bit greedy, but um, I was hoping they'd be around 7-2, to two, something like that. Um, but it's understandable that they're around 3-1. to one. 
given the starts of the season. Um, it's worth saying that they deserve to be at the top of the table as well. If you look at the data, being very good uh, at the back as well as going forward, you know, limiting teams to one-off few expected goals in uh, in the majority of the games, um, and that would be even better if it wasn't for the hysterics of Jordan Pickford in that, who seems to um, <laughs> drop everything, uh, let Mope had a shot from three yards out, so that that kind of does increase. Uh, the expected goals against. Um, but yeah, been really good going forward, obviously. It's been well documented. Really do like Calvert Lewin. Um in the in the preseason pods we've put him up at hundred to one each way for the top scorer in the league. That's looking I mean, what a shout that is at the moment. Yeah, I mean I don't want to count my chickens too early, Matt, <laughs> but I think that um we're onto a good thing there because he's getting into the right positions. He's, he looks so much leaner. Um, his anticipation in the box is brilliant at getting onto um, seconds and stuff like that, as well as being really good at, with his movement, getting in between centre halves. Um, and he's not even on penalties, and he's still right up there at the top of the table, um, which is really surprising given the amount of pens that are given. But he's got some really good people. Supporting him in, in James, Ducore, Luca Dina, who's been brilliant now for a couple of years, always good at supplying from the left-hand side. And, um, yeah, I think they'll cause Liverpool a few problems, but I, I just think Klopp is going to set up Liverpool to be like they were last season as much as they can, quite defensively solid. I don't think they'll go all guns blazing at Everton. This fixture is usually quite low scoring. And um, I was just looking at the price on uh, no goal scorer. Um, that that's a double figure price, which uh, could could tempt a few in, um, just because it, it has has seemed to have landed quite a, quite a while. I'm not a massive head to head punter, but derbies do have something else, I think, uh, to them. But yeah, I, I'm, I think that looking at the markets, I wanted to be with Everton. The price is just not as good as I expected it to be. But Liverpool don't really convince me away from home. They didn't last season either. I can remember mentioning before that they won a lot of away games by very fine margins, 2-1, And it doesn't take much for them to turn into draws, and that's where I'm heading here. The draws are the biggest price of the three at 16-5. to um, I'd, I'd have a little bit on that personally. I expected that to be shorter. Um, usually when you see a team around even money like Liverpool are uh, and the opposition around 3-1, to one, the draws usually shorter than 3-1. to one. Um, So I'm not quite sure why it's bigger. So 16-5 to five does stand out. Um, it is worth noting that Yerimina and Dinia could be out here um, after, after their travails uh, on the continent this week. Um, but having said that, we've got the likes of Firmino and um, all, all the players for Liverpool, Alisson, who, who've either not been fit or they've been aware of the different side of the world. So, yeah, I think it could be a bit of a slow burn. I think the 2-1 to one that you came up with, Matt, there did really stand out as well. It's not something that I looked at. But, um, yeah, that that does does appeal. But I think the draw would be something for me. I mean, if you are inclined in back in Everton, you can get 11-2 to with Skybet for Everton to win and Calvert-Lewin to score. 
Um, it's, it's blended in pretty much every game, hasn't it? So um, I couldn't put you off that, considering it's 13 to 8 to score any time. Um, but yeah, my main bet will be the draw. My other bet is going to come in the props market. Um, it's combining two angles that we've been quite keen on this season, um, which you can do on Coral. You can actually combine different prop bets uh, in, into like a multi, and you can double up. Um, of course, I'm going to mention Alexander Arnold's <laughs> shot outside the box. Um, it's around twos on that um, four to seven, something like that, which is understandable. Um, it could even be shorter, but if you combine that with Richarlison to have one or more tackles, um, you actually get odds against 21 to 20. Um, and that really does tickle me. Um, Richarlison's been right up there for tackles. I know he's a forward player, but he, he tends to be on the more on the wing. He does like to get stuck in. He, he likes to press, um, and he's going to be up against Trent. So um, a lot of football does come down that side. So I'm expecting him to get stuck in quite a bit. He's averaging... Um, over two tackles I think this season hitting twos and threes quite regularly even last season um, so for him to just have one you're not asking for too much there so if you combine them on Coral Trent to have a shot outside the box of course he's on free kicks and etc and Richarlison to have one or more tackles 21 to 20 that's uh, probably one of my favourite bets of the weekend actually yeah I really like that it's a, a cracking find um Will, sort of two strands here. Um, firstly, I think Michael Oliver's the referee. He's given almost 30% of the Premier League penalties, the total Premier League penalties so far this season. Quite incredible, really. Um, and also, we were asked about um, are there any interesting card angles? So if you're able to weave that into your answer when I ask you what your best bet for the game is. Sure. Yeah, I'll start off with that uh, crazy Villa game. Um I had a friend who did one of those last man standing uh, kind of games where uh, where you have to pick a team each week and then the last person left with a who hasn't found a, a losing losing team on a weekend gets the prize pool and and he chose Liverpool that weekend in the final Gosh. two already with so that's, I think that shows I think he was part of like forty people and they'd all five weeks in would already down to two people because of crazy <laughs> results we've seen so. Yeah, and then 10 minutes in, he's over, basically. Um, so, crazy match. I, but that, I mean, the defence, Liverpool's defence was awful um, in that game. But it's still, I mean, there were three kind of big deflections. I think it slightly explains that freak result. Um, and if you look at the XG, Liverpool have, have, only, uh, have conceded 11, but they've only been expected to concede six. So for me, the the match odds are probably about correct. Liverpool, like you said, they were they were eight to thirteen to win this fixture in June. I'd move that out a little bit because obviously you've got to account for the fact that Everton have improved. But I think it's probably about right. I'm not really not really interested in any market there on uh, potentially the draw as well. Like Tom's Tom's pointed out, and three nil nils in a row as well. So that there's a draw there, and I mean goals. Like people have said, indicate indicating probably a lower scoring game based upon it being a derby. Both teams are scoring over 2.5, are both around 1.5. And yeah, we've mentioned as well, players are going to be tired after playing. Most of these players are going to have played three games, some of them in South America. Um, and then this is an early Saturday lunchtime kickoff as well. So 
I just I can't really call it in terms of where it goes, whether it's goals or not. Um, mm. uh, so I'm, I'm I'm probably I'm leaving all that alone. Um, unfortunately, I haven't looked into cards markets, but I because I literally, like you said, went straight to penalty markets instead with Michael <laughs> Oliver. Um, yeah, like you said, he's given seven pens in four Premier League games. Uh, three, all three of the matches he's given a penalty in, he's given more than one. I haven't found a market I really like on more than one penalty to be given, and obviously with the with the variance on that, you probably it's not going to continue at that rate. Um, so it's not something I'd want to tip confidently. But um, best price on a on a penalty to be taken is seven to four. Um, which, as I mentioned before on previous podcasts, um, that suggests, I mean, you've got to times that basically by 80% um, because that's the amount of pens that are scored uh, compared to missed. So I reckon it's probably about 3.5 for a pen to be scored and you can get 3.8. So that's 14 to 5 infractions um, with oil sports on a penalty to be scored and over 0.5 goals. Uh, which obviously has to happen if it's scored. So just a way of combining two markets in that bet builder market. Um, you can only do those on mobile, which I think I failed to mention last time. Um, and yeah, uh, I mean, last time I tipped this last week, we had Bruno Fernandez scored one two minutes in. So hopefully, hopefully something more uh, on this along the same lines this week. Yeah, I like that. Really nice price. And uh I'll be looking to it as well. But uh, Tom, I don't suppose you've got any uh, individuals you like for a, a card off the cuff here? Not particularly. Um, I, I was pretty tempted by um, Trent, to be honest. Uh, but it, when I was looking at his, his record for a card, he's it, it, not someone who tends to crop up, mainly because Liverpool just don't crop up in the cards that often. Um yeah, it it's, doesn't really have that fire that it used to have, this fixture, I don't think. Mm. Um, especially if you go back kind of 10 years or before, back when David Moyes was Everton manager, that it was one of the best games to watch in the season. Um, just because of the the kind of hatred when you had kind of Stevie G there and um, Everton had some local lads as well. It's, it's not really like that anymore. Um, if anything, I mean... If if the card lines are quite high, maybe it's something you could oppose. Um, but yeah, it's not something I've personally looked too too much into. But um, maybe if you're gonna have a tickle, it could be worth backing two players who are kind of directly up against each other. So if you could get some on Richarlison and Trent both to be booked, uh, sometimes mm. you get two for the price of one when it comes to cards, and if there's a bit of a fracas between them. Um, but yeah, that that would be kind of a, a cheeky quid or two for me um but yeah not nothing serious to be honest yeah I, i'd agree with that i think um what was i going to say um yeah with with liverpool last season um they they were the lowest cards per game in the premier league but they also if you looked into how many cards their opposition were getting as well it was also a bit of a low one purely just because of their dominance i guess um whereas with some some teams you kind of like man united they were getting a lot of cards themselves and also uh, getting the teams that they were playing with getting a lot of cards as well. So you get get some kind of strange little setups based upon the styles of play, I guess. Yeah, no fair points, lads. Um, one to probably leave this week. Um, but uh, OK, we're going to move on to Europe. Uh, Tom put out a poll, as he normally does, to see 
which one of the four fixtures you want us to cover. We don't have to go too far because we're just going up to Scotland. Uh, I'm quite surprised, actually, the Old Firm derby, as big as it is, won this vote quite comfortably, considering it was up against the Milan derby and uh, I think Napoli-Atalanta, uh, just two of the other potentials we could have covered. But you guys wanted us to cover the Old Firm derby, 12.30 on Saturday. Will, I'll come to you first. What's the angle? Yeah. Yeah, early kickoff again, another one. So hopefully we've had a good start to the podcast with these two <laughs> two games bang on at the same time clashing. Um, yeah, uh, both clubs have had a good start to the season. Well, really, uh, especially in Europe, both through um, after, particularly with Rangers progressing against Galatasaray, that was pretty good. Um, and they're unbeaten as well. Uh, although it's advantage Celtic because um, two draws for, for Rangers so far to their one. Um, and yeah, Rangers won the last Old Firm derby last, which is, I mean, amazingly almost a year ago now. Uh, and I looked into the head-to-head on this quite a lot because clearly it's a, it's a huge derby match. Um, and I'm moving into to looking at um, red cards and penalties basically here as well. Um, but yeah, also seen it mentioned as well that um, Celtic are missing a few key players, uh, Christy, Eduard. And bitten, um, and yeah, so it's, it's going to be. I think Rangers are two point seven five um, when they were three point three when they won that match last December. Um, so I think that's explained probably by those those uh, absence absent absentees for this game. Um, Rangers have had a better xG ratio as well so far this season with more goals scored. And less conceded, so their their xG difference is 1.86 um, to Celtic's 1.15. Uh, yeah, and I looked into looked at straight into the referee as well with this. I, I was hoping for one of the more fiery Scottish refs, but we got John Beaton in charge, who gives 0.18 reds per game, uh, which is the ninth lowest of the 12 regular Ooh. SPFL refs. Yeah, um, and actually most of the markets aren't priced up yet, so. I think 365 have priced up their their red card market. Um, I, it was quite low. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it might be 3.5, um, so f- uh, 5 to 2. I think I want 4 to 1 or better based upon that 0.18 reds per game of the referee. But you've got to then look at the teams. And there's been six reds in the last 16 meetings since Rangers returned to, to the uh, top flight, uh, which is obviously massive. Um, so, yeah, I'd still I'd still prefer four to one because uh, that ref is suggesting that it should even be higher than that. So if anyone can find that when it, when the when the bookies start to price that market tomorrow morning, probably um, then then go for it. Um, what I've gone for is a penalties because Beaton is a fair bit better on pens. He's zero point two seven, so roughly one in just under every four games. Um, Someone who's been banging them in is James Tavernier for, for Rangers. He's scored five goals in his last four matches. Um, four of them have been penalties. And in, in total, he's actually dating back to last season as well. So he's bagged in seven of his last eight for Rangers, which is basically yeah, the goal-scoring form of his life. Um, and long-term as well, he scores in 20% of matches for them. So, in, yeah, in, in 181 appearances, it's something like 30 goals for him. Uh, and he is... 5.3 uh, to score anytime at 888 Sport, and that's that's my main bet. Um, just found he, from open play as well, he gets forward quite a lot. Rangers have uh, probably got the the 
the advantage here with those absentees for Celtic. Um, so I think he could be even potentially from open play as well. Bet 365, I've got the market for a penalty at 9-4 to four for a pen to be taken. Um, and there's been a lot of those in the recent meetings as well. Uh, but I would prefer that chance on the anytime goal scorer market there with the ref ref 0.27 per game not actually suggesting that that nine to four is a value bet um a jetty as well i'm not sure if i'm saying the swiss striker's name correct but mm-hmm. he's scored five in his six appearances so far but i'm not sure it's if he might he might play or not if he is uh, in the starting lineup he could be one to look at at five to two to score anytime that's also with 888 sport and uh finally uh alfredo morelos just absolutely hates Celtic um <laughs> it's been sent off six times for Rangers in league football um in 99 matches which is which suggests he should be 16 to 1 and he is 16 to 1 to be sent off uh at Bet365 who again are the only ones that have priced this market so far I reckon you might get 40 to 1 if you look about when when the others join in he has two reds in his last five old firms and has been carded as well in six of 11 outings against against the hoops so be looking to see who else price up but my main bet for now um will be tavernier to score any time at 5.3 and then yes yeah, something on morelos when when best odds are around nicely done um personally i look towards rangers uh sort of jumping into the bet builders rangers double chance and under three and a half which is trading around sort of even money-ish because you might be able to get bigger elsewhere but um yeah as you mentioned celtic Depleted this weekend, uh, key players Christie, Edouard, Bitton, Ajeti's a major doubt as well, all sort of COVID-related or injured, um, and that's a serious blow to Celtic's attack because they're all uh, quality players at, at that level. Christie, a great creator, um, Edouard, his quality is, is well known, but um, Celtic haven't really been themselves this season. They've laboured through quite a few matches, needed a few last-minute winners in games you'd expect them to hack up in, really, so struggling to break things down and Rangers have impressed defensively, uh, particularly over the last sort of 12, 18 months. Uh, Gerrard's finally got that kind of part of the game sussed. Um, they have, as you mentioned, beaten Celtic at the Parkhead as well in the last 12 months. A massive monkey off their back and actually been the better team in the last couple of, of derbies as well. So, um, yeah, Rangers are going to go there very confident. And uh, I don't expect it to be a, a high scoring game with an early start straight after the international break uh, as well. I think since... Uh, 2018-19, the average goals per game in these meetings is, is around two. So um, with Celtic missing their key threats, uh, Rangers kind of looking to uh, just pick up a point and, and possibly more at best. Uh, I think that's a, a nice way to sort of play uh, play it because uh, Celtic, I think when you look at them first, do think they're, they're probably a big price, but there are reasons for that. So I'm going to pass you over to, to Tom now for his best bet for Celtic Rangers. Yeah, yeah, we've both kind of covered it. Um, I think that <laughs> one thing I do before I kind of look into team news or anything like that is just look at the odds. And when I was looking at this, I thought Celtic would be around even money, if not odds on. And it's pretty much a pick em in the market, which really I had to kind of check twice when I seen that. Um, but yeah, it makes sense with Christie and Edward both out. Um, I know that Celtic haven't had a brilliant start to the season, but I do wonder how how hard it is for them to get up for games against teams that they they play three times a season and beat uh, three times a season as well. I, I think that they don't 
for everything uh, to win, which they haven't yet, but they have got by and they have won the games. And um, even with them people out, I think that they are at home here. And um, I do think that they are a, a touch of value. I, I actually had a, a very similar bet to you, Mark, with the... Um, the bit, well, I've actually gone into William Hill. I've gone with the build your odds uh, feature. And I've actually got Celtic double chance and 19 to 20. Okay. Uh, I just think that the the draw is a huge runner here. I think that Celtic would pop, probably take a draw as well as Rangers here. I don't think that um, Celtic are going to give much away. I just look at the centre-halves. Uh, Ayer, Duffy and Julien they're three really top class centre-halves who could um, all probably play competitively in the Premier League whereas um, Rangers have Goldson and Helander who are decent enough but Goldson was uh, not long not long ago playing for Shrewsbury in League 1 and League 2 um, I think that Celtic do have the upper hand um, in terms of quality. Um, I do think Rangers have threats, but I, I just think about the mentality here going into the game. If Celtic win, they're going to be in a pretty demanding position given that they've got a game in hand on Rangers. Um, I don't like to talk about um, like the end of the season or title runnings so early. Um, but I'll make an exception in Scotland because these kind of head-to-heads are massive and that just makes the draw a huge runner for me. So I was looking at um, trying to get a way to get the draw on side and a low goal line. So that's what I ended up pumping for Celtic plus one on the handicap and under four goals, which is 19 to 20. I was surprised that you could get even money on the exchange for under two and a half goals as well. Um, kind of following on from what you said, Mark, I think that um, Rangers are in these big games under Gerrard, that they're, they're much more solid. Um, they don't tend to go all out. And um, yeah, Celtic without the main threats up front, I think it could be um, a very tight and tetchy game. So unders really did appeal even money as well. Um, it's it's quite a bit shorter with a few other firms, but I was checking on the exchange and you could get evens, which did surprise me. Um, so I'd definitely be uh, looking at the unders rather than the overs personally, but um, just get a bit more on our side if, if we take the double chance and under four goals. So I'm happy to go slightly against you on that one, Mark. <laughs> uh, but um, I think that the card market's, are always worth a look here, aren't they? And um, I'm usually someone who goes for card, player cards that are on three to one or bigger. But Scott Brown's eleven to eight for a card, um, and that looks short. But he's been booked in four of his eight starts this season in the league against lesser opponents. It's, they haven't been old firm games. He's also been booked in two of his four European games in the qualifiers. Um, so it's very, very hard to see him not picking up a card. And I was just thinking, actually, Mark, that if you look at player card markets in Syria or La Liga, uh, in games where there isn't necessarily any um, any feistiness between two teams, sometimes you get odds-on shots uh, for players to be carded. But um, I think he should be down there 
uh, around even money, if not shorter. So I was thinking if you can get kind of five to four or bigger, um, it doesn't look too tempting uh, from a player bet perspective, but he gets booked in pretty much every old firm I've watched. So, yeah, um, I'd have a little bit on him. Obviously, the other double is going to be backing Brown and Morelos in a double, which I couldn't put you off. If you get, um, I'm sure somewhere will boost that. Somewhere did uh, last season and it landed. So, yeah, um, look at Scott Brown for a card. But um, I'm I'm going to uh, slightly with Celtic. I think I think the the fact that they're at, on their own park and um, they usually odds on, if not around even money for this fixture. Um, I just think that swayed a little bit too much in Rangers' favour. I don't think Rangers will win. No, fair play. It's a good good case well made. So uh, plenty of views there on the big game in Scotland for Saturday from the guys. We're going to move swiftly on. Uh, still got the naps, the next bests and the long shots to come. But first, it's competition time. We're offering a £20 free bet again this week. So this competition is only for, for listeners, not readers, listeners of the podcast. Uh, small twist this week. Uh, you're going to need to DM uh, either Tom, myself or Wheel of Betting with a code word as well as your nominated best bet, uh, just to know that we well, allow us to know that you've been listening to the podcast. Uh, so that code word this week is lockdown. So if you can DM Tom, I or Wheel of Betting with the code word lockdown alongside your competition entry, that would be great. Uh, your task remains the same. Pick the biggest price winner of the weekend from Friday through to Monday night. Uh, we won't accept entries without the code word. So please DM it and we'll pick the biggest price fancy of the weekend or the biggest price winner uh, next weekend and let you know who won the £20 free bet. Right, business time. We're going to get the naps next best, but first the long shots. Will, what's your long shot? 7-2 to or larger, please. Yeah, I'm coming in bang on that 7-2, to two, trying to get as much probability <laughs> as I can on my side. Um, I'm off to uh, Valencia. Um, it's the derby or the uh, community derby that they call it over there uh, between Villarreal and Valencia um, and yeah I mean straight away I was looking I was looking at how they've got on so far this season um, and they've both played Huesca at home and both drawn that fixture 1-1 but when doing so Valencia lost the shot count 5-17 uh, to 17, whilst Villarreal won it 15-10 to 10. and I just I think that's a, a good measure of of where these sides are at. Um, Valencia have just, well, they, I mean, they've changed manager. They've lost um, a fair few players, some of them to Villarreal themselves, which I'll go into in a second. But yeah, they, they sit eighth in the XG table. Uh, sorry, they sit eighth, but the XG table has them 16th. Um, whereas Villarreal, despite having played both Barca and Atleti, uh, they sit fourth and are actually ranked second for XG. Um, and that's not gone unnoticed because uh, last time out, uh, Betis were favourites at the Mestalla. Um So I think everyone has realised Valencia is struggling. Um, they've actually registered just 42 shots in their first five matches and conceded 87, which puts them 17th for shots for and uh, second for shots against. So despite some fairly easy opposition, so it's pretty clear that they're going to have a, it's going to be a tough season for um, Javi Gracia. Uh, and yeah, he's up against his former club here. Um, uh, most of their additions in the summer have come from their B side setup. Uh, they've not replaced Ferran Torres or Rodrigo. 
And they've also lost Danny Parejo and Francis Coquelin to Villarreal, actually, as well. And uh, they had Jaume Costa on loan from Villarreal, and he's gone back there too. So everything is going against them here. Um, and yeah, Villarreal, since uh, since they came into the big money back in the, the late 90s, um, their record at El Madrigal against Valencia is pretty strong. One eleven, drawn five, lost four. Uh, they beat. They even beat Valencia 2-0 in late June. Um, and that was a stronger Valencia side than there is now. Uh, and they didn't even allow them a single shot on target in that match. So I just think this is going to be a massively one-sided affair. Um, and Villarreal, minus two Asian handicap is 7-2 to two at Bet365. So if they win by two, you get your money back. If they win by any more, it's a full stakes payout. Um, and that's my that's my long shot. Okay, uh, Tom, your long shot, please. I'm going to dip into League One, um, kind of follow the EFL vibe that we did with our last long shot. Um, but I'm actually going to go for Wimbledon minus one and a half on the Asian handicap against Shrewsbury. Um, that's six to one with Unibet and eight 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 Sport. I just think that that's a a big old price considering the. Um, the travails of both these sides this season. I've not been convinced with Shrewsbury at all since uh, Sam Ricketts has took charge. They've looked really weak going forward, I think. Um, I mean, Sam Ricketts has been one of them uh, managers who's, who's kind of come through the Kenny jacket. Obviously, played under him at Wolves. And um, he, he's been opening and admitting that he, he tries to follow his agenda and that's to be quite defensively sound first and foremost but it does leave them with a real dearth of creativity in the final third um, and they've really struggled the fans aren't really having him either from what I can gather um, and I, I think that he will be out of a job sooner rather than later to be honest um, if you look at the performance data uh, the 21st unexpected points uh, the bottom six on expected goals ratio as well um, just not much going on for them, especially going forward. And they're coming up against a uh, AFC Wimbledon side that have really impressed me, actually. Um, they seem to be in the top kind of 10 for most of the data. Um, and they've looked like they've got goals about them. I, I like the starting 11. I don't think there's much depth there thereafter. But uh, Piggott and Longman, who's coming along from a really good Brighton Academy, uh, look like they've formed a really good partnership up front. Uh, they play kind of a 5-3-2. Steve Seddon's back in, who was a fan favourite there. I'm surprised that he's dropped down to League One. I think that he could compete. Um, he, well, I think he's on loan from Birmingham. I expected him to start there this season. Um, so they've got some quality, and they've got some quality in midfield as well. I think that they, they've got a better side than Shrewsbury. Um, I'm presuming that there's such a big price because they're probably still playing at, um, at Loftus Road at QPR whilst um, they're, they're looking to get their plow lane play sorted out. But um, it's not been too much of a distraction for them. I think we look a bit too much into kind of grounds and uh, how it can affect teams. Um, at the end of the day, Shrewsbury aren't used to playing at Loftus Road either, uh, Wimbledon are, well, compared to Shrewsbury anyway. So, yeah, the 2-1 to one to win the game, which was big, 
Um, I was hoping uh, to put them up as a nap uh, plus a quarter of a goal. There was some 1.73 earlier. Um, that seems to have been chipped in today, but shorter than 1.7 now, annoyingly. Um, but yeah, I can see why um, Wimbledon will tempt a lot of people in this season, but I think they can go one better and uh, win this 2 or 3 now. to be honest. I, I just can't see where the goals are coming from for, for Shrewsbury and Pigger and Longman up front are really, really impressing me. I expect one or both of them to score here. So 6-1 to one for AFC Wimbledon to win by two or more goals. Just looks too big. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Uh, I'm going to stay with you, Tom, because uh, I'm asking you now for your next best. So not your nap, but your next best. Fire away. Yeah, I'm going into France for this. Obviously, we've got a bit more data on our side. Um with France uh, a bigger kind of sample size um, and one team that have rarely stood out from a negative perspective is Dijon who are rock bottom um, they've picked up one point in the six games uh, and they've deserved one point as well looking at their expected points um, they've been battered in pretty much every game and they're at, ho- uh, they're at home against Rennes this weekend, um, a Ren side that are in the Champions League, of course. Uh, they're in that group with Krasnodar and Chelsea and Sevilla. Uh, I think that they've got a really good chance of winning this with a bit of room to spare. Um, obviously, Ren lost Rafinha, who's gone to Leeds. A lot of Leeds fans seem uh, very excited by that. Um, but they've really done a good job in replacing him. They've brought in a guy, a guy called Jeremy Doku from Anderlecht, who's really highly thought of back in Belgium. Um, I just know that he's going to perform there in the next couple of years and they'll sell him on for a fortune too. That's how they operate. Um, they've got quite a wealthy owner of Ren, but they're, they're very clever and um, canny in what they do in the transfer market. They don't spend beyond their means. Um, they're not going to try and uh, really compete with PSG. There's no real point in that. But um, they've signed a few good players as well. Gurassi up front from Amiens. Um, scored a lot of goals for Amiens, even though they did struggle. And uh, they've brought in Dalbert, the fullback, and Daniele Rugani from Juventus. So they've got a lot more depth about them this season. Have Ren. Um, they had to because they're in the Champions League, of course. And uh, I think they'll they'll beat this Dijon side. And just going back to Dijon, I'll just rock, run you through a, a couple of the numbers. I mean, their shots in the box ratio and their expected goals from open play ratio are both below 30%. Their bottom of every data set I can see, their expected goals ratio full stop is 15%, <laughs> which is, I, I can't actually believe how bad that is. Um <laughs> Uh, I haven't seen such a figure. I appreciate that it's quite early on in the season, but they look terrible at the back. Uh, they've got one good player, Munir Shuar, who's a, a winger, a really, really diminutive winger, but he'll, he wanted to go, apparently, um, this summer. Didn't get his move, and he seems to be struggling. So, um, yeah, Dijon are terrible, but Ren are around 3-4 to four to win this. But I'll take them to win an under 4.5 goals, and that's odds against 21 to 20 with Betway. Uh, the same price with Bet365 if you use the Bet Builder. Um, that looks like a really strong angle um, because I really do like Ren and I really don't like Dijon. 
<laughs> uh, you know, I'm on a very similar path there as well. I, I've seen the, the Dijon data and it is ugly. Uh, Will, your next best, please. Yep. Um, I'm heading to Bolton, so nearby Tom. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Bolton were pre-season favourites um, at 5-1, to one, weren't they, for, for the League 2 title. And now they've drifted all the way out to 16-1 to one after this, five games in. So I think that might be slight overreaction um, already. Uh, it, I, it, just, it was always going to be a possibility that they would have a slow start just to sheer num- turnover of players and coaching staff. Um, I was at the University of Bolton Stadium with some friends local to that area last season. And yeah, this team is just unrecognisable from what they were fielding last year. 24 new additions um, and 18 going out the other way. So, yeah, um, I don't I didn't really expect you could see a bounce from um, they had 14 points last season in 34 matches. So that mentality, obviously, there's there's been a lot of fans as well uh, I don't think you could expect like a start of just five wins from five it was never going to happen in my opinion um, Ian Everett pretty new to management as well completely new to the EFL only 38 years old um, obviously he's brought Barrow up and in a couple years of management there but yeah I think now though um, give them a few weeks and they might really start to gel they've obviously uh, had yeah sort of six seven weeks now of the season new arrivals um nathan delfineso and and owen doyle both opened their uh accounts for the whites a couple weeks ago against harrogate um a match that you highlighted mark uh very nicely for me got on them got on bolton at three to win that game mm-hmm. um yeah um and then on the other side of it oldham have just been on a decline for quite a long while now um Record so far, they've also got a new manager, Harry Kuhl. Uh, he's nine games in, and that's not his record's not too bad, but the wins have just come in in cups rather than in the league. Uh, and in the league, they've conceded 13 goals in five outings. Um, although the XG actually has both these teams pretty similar on a similar footing at the moment, I just think that the, the quality in the squads is going to start to show. He's, Kuhl's managed to bring in a few players um, met from a fa- fairly like obscure locations brought in a an Aussie guy actually as well from his home country who's starting up front Blackwood um and they've got John Batty from from Wickham Lawler and goal so these guys have come in and started playing already but um I don't really see them being a much higher level than than what they're replacing necessarily uh, yeah both teams registering low xg per game of like 0.8 so this could be quite low scoring um so i'm just going for i'm not going to try and get like bolton on any handicaps or anything bolton to win is is 2.1 at bet 365 so 11 to 10 and i just think if you played this fixture in next year i don't know when they're playing let's say it's in march i wouldn't be surprised if bolton are two to five and and oldham sixes or sevens like quite literally (laughs) Mm, no I, i agree with that um, let's uh, move on to the best part of the week now because we get the guys' naps. I'm going to go back to you now, Tom, for your best bet of the weekend, please. Yeah, I'm going to go into Holland. Uh, not really a, a league that I delve into too much, but um, I just think there's a, a bit of an outlier um, in one of the one of the games. It involves Ajax, who are obviously very 
very short price favourites whenever they're at home against pretty much anyone. Uh, but they're extremely short at home against Hedenveen. Weekend, and I think we can get just because people kind of think of Ajax and they think of that side that did so well in the Champions League, of course, and they they did do that, but there's none of them players left, really. Um, none of the stars, anyway. Obviously, there's no De Ligt, De Jong, Van der Beek, Feltman's gone, Dolberg's gone, and... Uh, they're just not the same side. Um, it's true that they've got a really good academy there, obviously, and they've got some really interesting players coming through, the likes of Echo Camp and Graven Birch. And, but they're, they're going to take a while to gel. Um, they've brought in another lad called Anthony, who's coming from Brazil, who looks really interesting as well. But there's not enough, not enough uh, quality that I can see and trust at this moment in time. When it comes to Ajax, and um, if you just look at the data between these two, it's pretty much neck and neck this season. Ajax and Herenveen are pretty much the same expected goals ratio. Uh, expected points has Herenveen above them, in fact, um, and expected goals from open play, etc. They're, they're all pretty much on the same level, and Ajax have they actually lost their last game against Groningen away, one 0 um, and before that, they had a couple of um, narrow wins, and they did beat Valvik 3-0, um, but that was against 10 men. So I think that there's some value in getting Herenveen on side on the Asian handicap. I do expect this to contract. They're actually coming by a, a smidgen um, whilst we've been recording. But you can get 3-4 to four or 1.75 on Herenveen with a plus two and a quarter goal start on the Asian handicap. That basically means that we will only we won't make money if Ajax win by three or more goals, and that's that's ridiculous um, when you're looking at uh, everything here. I just think that um, if if Herenveen score, then you need Ajax need to score four goals, and they're not the threat that they used to be. They've not scored four yet this season, and Herenveen have some really interesting players themselves. Um, they've got quite a young squad themselves, to be honest, but there's a lad in midfield, Joey Veerman. I know scouts have been looking at, I think Southampton were looking at him. Um, a few scouts in the Bundesliga have been looking at him too. He's really impressed this season. Van Bergen, the winger as well. They signed a lad, a striker on loan from Wolfsburg. Um, Ulysses Lanyes, who's an American uh, youth player. He, he had a terrific season for Wolfsburg youth set up last season. He scored 11 in 15. They've got really big high hopes for him as well. Very clever with how they work the market, Herenveen. And um, I think they're definitely, I think they're a really good bet to score here. And if they score, then you've got a, a great chance of this bet paying out something. So basically, we'll take full stakes profit if Herenveen win, draw. Um, we'll take half stakes profit even if they lose by two clear goals. Um, so it, it's money pretty much um, all around it as long as Ajax don't go mad, which I can't expect them to do. Herenveen have started with 10 points from the opening 12 games as well. Look really dangerous um, and pr- surprisingly quite good at the back. Uh, they're usually a team where it's goals at both ends, but um, they've looked solid enough at the back from what I can see. So. 
yeah, more than happy to get them on side. I think that this price won't last personally, um, but if you can get plus two at around even money on the Asian handicap, um, I couldn't put you off that either. But get getting that extra quarter of a goal just gives us some profit to play with uh, if Ajax do win by two or more goals. Yeah, that's my best bet for this weekend. Herenveen plus 2.25 on the Asian handicap against Ajax at three to four. Like it. Great league to punt the error to VC. Um, over to you then, Will, your favourite fantasy of the week. Cheers. Um, I'm heading into the fixture of uh, Wickham v Millwall. Um, all of the eyes on the East End have been on Troy Parrott um, and whether he, he was going to make it back again from injury, but he's out for about six weeks now after playing 45 minutes of a debut and then picking up a different injury of his, to his ankle now. So that's a bit of a blow for Millwall. Um but I don't think they're going to have too much trouble holding a toothless Wickham um, at bay. Uh, we all saw last season how how poor Wickham's stats were for passes and possession and uh, in League One, and yet it got them up. Um, and that was amazing work from Gareth Ainsworth and his team. But I just think that someone like Millwall will know exactly how to deal with a team like like Wickham with a bit of more of a long ball approach, a um, bit, bit of rough and tumble. Um, and yeah, Gary Gary Rowett's team are pretty well renowned for being tough at the back, um, and that's been the case since before he was there. Uh, back three of Hutchinson, Pierce, and Cooper have 13 seasons under their belts between between them at at, at the back for Millwall. Um, I don't expect Millwall to to run away with this, um, as probably without Parrot, they don't really have that key goal scorer that they that they wanted. Um, but so far, they've put in some pretty solid displays without him against Brentford, Swansea and Stoke, who are, are all tipped for top six or top half finishes as well. So it's been a mixed start for them. But based upon who they played, I don't think we could really have expected too much and, and the key injury to this key player. Um, instead, they, yeah, they've, instead, they've been relying on Jed Wallace and Tom Bradshaw for their goals and creativity. Um, Bradshaw has bagged uh bagged eight last season uh, and played almost every game but he's he's basically never really hit the heights um that he did at Walsall in league one years ago but then I think it's I think it's probably because he's been playing against uh he's been playing in a bottom half team for most of his time in the championship uh with Barnsley and and now Millwall um but this season a lot of people have Millwall down as a as a top half team um I've got them at finishing 10th in my league predictions and um I reckon he'll hit double figures in a team that manages to do that. Um, and yeah, Jed Wallace hit 10 last season from midfield, already got two this season. He could be a, he could be a team, a player that's playing for a promotion, uh, promotion oriented kind of team. Um, and if we look at XG, I'll just give a nod to that as well. Uh, Millwall are actually bottom and Wickham are 23rd. So um, based on based, basically both teams being pretty blunt at front, but I'm happy to ignore that here. I just think, uh, that Wickham defensively and Millwall defensively are two different different beasts um, and Millwall have had the tougher games. Um, Wickham have basically conceded more goals than they, they were expected to. Um, but going forward as well for, for the chair boys, um, Akin Fenn was still out. He's played nigh on 200 games for Wickham in, in four years. Um, and he was the focal point last season again, he, despite his age and his size and everything. Uh, he got 10 goals in 35 appearances and he was actually their top assist maker as well. So 
he was key to them and still is. Um, and they haven't been able to invest much. Um, pretty much, all, no, they spent nothing on transfer fees. So their only only investments have been in in wages. Um, and I just don't think it's going to be enough for them this season. They're already 1.22 for relegation after just four games. And the next best uh, price on anyone to be relegated is 11 to 4 for Rotherham and Sheffield Wednesday, who have minus seven points still. So I think it's a long, tough season for them. And yeah, Millwall are uh, 4 to 5 to win this. I think that's quite a fair price. Yeah, it's going to be a tough and long season for Wickham, it seems. But uh, okay, guys, thanks for all that. Uh, I guess the next question is. Any other business you'd like to share? Um, I'll go with you, Tom. Anything you've not mentioned you want to get off your chest? Um, I, I was kind of looking at the Man City Arsenal game as well, um, kind of following the, um, the the kind of remark we made at the start, really, in kind of opposing a high goal line. Um, it's always high when Man City are involved, of course, but Arsenal have been a lot more um, pragmatic in their approach, especially in the bigger games. They've been pretty competitive too. Um, but I, I was looking at their data this season, and it's pretty much the same as last season from a, from an attacking standpoint. Um, they've not been good at all. <laughs> um, I can't believe they keep getting away with it, to be honest. But, um, yeah, they, they seem to be very clinical when they when they do get the chances up front. Um, I think I think the game against Sheffield United uh, fortnight ago was very a very low goal expectancy, and to be honest, I think that if Jesus and um, Aguero are still out, which I believe they are, then um, we could be looking at a, a game where you can get against the goals and under three point five goals. It's been chipped in a bit. Just looking at the. Um, at the grass now it's four to five for under three and a half it was a touch bigger I think earlier in the week but uh, I still think that that's a decent way in alternatively I do, I do think that Man City will will get the better of them um, obviously now they've got Diaz in that's a big boost um, so you can, might want to take something like Man City to win an under 4.5 I think that's odds against uh, 21 to 20 with a, with a couple of firms looking at it here I was very keen on that um, at the start of the season just because I think that Arsenal, obviously they're known as quite a big club. Their start to the season's been decent enough, but they're still reflecting as a mid-table side on all of the data and that's what we've got to kind of take them as. Um, and yeah, Man City should have enough quality here. I could see maybe a 2-0 home win, something like that. Um, but yeah, look at opposing the goals there. I think under three and a half at one point eight is a um, a pretty good thing. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, over to you, Will. Anything you've you've not mentioned which you want to get off your chest? Yeah, just quickly, I was looking at the refs in France, um, and in the game that Tom's uh, got for his, uh, I can't remember, was his next best um, Dijon v Ron. Uh, I mentioned last week the ref here, Deschepi, or in the last podcast. Um, he was refing that uh, Racing Club Lon game, um, and he gave two reds in the end in that in that meeting. And yeah, he's he's that guy that I said had the highest cards per game, the highest pens per game, and then the second highest reds per game in of all French refs. So 
I think our red would have been about seven to two in that in that Lons game. And if you can get that again, then definitely. And and also just looking into pens and reds, uh, pens and other cards in that meet in that meeting, pretty much when the markets are all up. Brilliant. That game is Friday night, actually. So uh, plenty oh, yeah. of angles to to look at league uh, for the guys listening in. But uh, thanks for all your. Uh, your work, your analysis and your best bets, guys. Really enjoyed listening to it all. Uh, if you have enjoyed listening to it as well, please do let us know. If you've got any feedback or any ideas for future editions, we are always listen, willing to listen. Uh, your views and your opinions will help us sculpt to show you that you guys want to hear ahead of the weekend. But uh, for now, thanks very much for your time and thanks again to you, Tom. Cheers, Matt. And to you as well, Will. Cheers, Mark. Hopefully the good form continues. Fingers crossed, day. Eh? This has been the Wheeler Betting Weekend Preview Podcast. Thank you very much and chat soon. Cheers.